kids, and I'm going to dismiss you for the first time this year to go with Miss Denise and the crew over there. You guys are welcome to head on out as they head out. If you want to spread out just a little bit, you can. It is great to see a full house in here today. But as I dismiss our kids today, I want to ask a question that is the foundation of our current series called, Why? That question is this. Why do we do what we do? Why do we dismiss the kids to go to a kids class? Why do we have them come together? Last week we did communion. We said, why do we do communion? Why do we come together? This week, as you can probably gather from the video, why do we worship? Why do we worship? Next week we're going to talk about evangelism and discipleship. Why do we evangelize? Why do we disciple? In a couple of weeks, I'm just going to give you a little heads up in case you want to be sick that day. It is, why do we give? And it's not just money that I'm talking about. Why do we give of ourselves? Why do we give of our time, our talents, our treasures, our testimony? Why do we give? Why do we get involved in connection groups? Why are those important? Why do we get baptized? And that Sunday, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. Why do we pray? Matter of fact, we're going to do Why Do We Pray on Super Bowl Sunday, the day that people probably pray the most. Why do we pray? Why is the church a big thing to be a part of? Why do we come together? Why do we gather together? Why is that something that we do? Last week I gave you a simple foundational answer for that question. The question of why and the simple foundational answer is to glorify God. To glorify God. That is why we do what we do. We do what we do to glorify God. As we talked about the Westminster Catechism, the first tenet is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is why we do what we do. That is the point of everything that we do. That is why we have breath in our lungs. That is why we move. That is why we live. That is why we exist day to day. That is why we gather here today. That is the reason why you go to work or you go to school this week, whatever it might be, and you connect with people. We are there to glorify God. That is why we do what we do. To glorify Him, we do it in communion. We do it in worship. We do it in evangelism. We do it in discipleship. We do it through prayer. We do it through giving. We do it through connecting. We do it as we come together in this corporate time of worship. The short answer to our question of why we do what we do is to glorify God. That's it. Now, each sermon during this series will expand on that. Expand on that idea of glorifying God. And Today, we talk about worship. We talk about worship. And as we talk about worship, we have to ask some questions. Why do we worship? What do we worship? How do we worship? What does God want when we worship? These are real questions I think we have, and I think we should answer today as we go through Scripture and look at this. But before we even dive into it, I think we need to take a quick look at the definition, or at least a couple basic definitions of what worship is Because in our culture, including our church culture, I think the word worship has gotten a little bit twisted. Here's the basic definition. The first one is this. To honor with extravagant love or extreme or and extreme submission. The second definition, an authentic response to whatever you hold important in your life. An authentic response. 
See, I really like these definitions, but I think both definitions lead to this question. Where is your worship centered? Where is your worship centered? Is it on God or is it on someone or something else? Because we all worship something. The question really comes down to what? What is it? What do you worship? And you know, we could say we have a built-in craving for worship. Ecclesiastes actually tells us that God placed eternity in our hearts so that we would hunger and thirst for Him. But before you came to know God, or if you're in that place right now, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we fulfilled that gnawing hunger by worshiping unworthy objects and unworthy pursuits. That, that is what we chased after. Our idols took the form of people or money or careers or, or hobbies or passions or possessions or really anything else that could try and fill that void of worship that we weren't giving to God. We tried to give to something else. So here's the question. What things do we honor with extravagant love and extreme submission? What things is it? What things do we let dictate our lives and our livelihood? How do we respond to these things that we hold so highly in our lives? How do we respond to that? That video up front, I heard you guys laughing. But at the same time, it's entirely true. Sports does that to us. Or at least to me. I shouldn't say us because some of you really don't care about sports. But let me, let me just give you a quick little side note here. Back on Thanksgiving, the Packers had a 3% chance of making the playoffs. I'd given up. I'd already moved on to baseball. I was looking forward to winter meetings, doing all that kind of stuff like that. And then somehow, someway, all the things fell into place. And tonight, they play the Lions to actually go to the playoffs. Only to lose next week, but that doesn't matter. Okay, we made the playoffs. Last week when we beat the Vikings... Badly. I actually got online because I got an email from the Packers that said there are tickets available. And I'm like, oh. I'm talking about worship next week. Should I skip it to go to the hallowed land of the frozen tundra? And I began to research. And the tickets weren't too, too bad. They were up high, but hey, if you're at Lambeau Field, you're at Lambeau Field. That's all that matters. And I started to look, and here's, here's my basis for my definition, by the way. Peyton is in his second semester of his junior year, and we do a big senior trip. We did it for Camden. He wanted to go to NASCAR races, which was a whole other weird set of worship. But um, uh, we went to NASCAR races for him, but Peyton said, I want to go to Lambeau Field and watch the game. And I said, you know what? Maybe we should go to a game that matters. And maybe we should say, you're going to be a senior anyway, so at least in this year, so let's, let's do it now. So I started looking, and plane flights were like $600 each way per person, which is like 2400 bucks. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a lot, especially if we lose. That'd be a whole, whole lot. And, and I was like, the tickets and the hotels and the car rental and all of the things started adding up, and I'm like, we're, we're in the four grand range after all is kind of said and done. And I'm like... How can I justify that? I'm like, I said, I'll buy a new TV so I can watch it in my living room, right? That, that, was, that was maybe the... I had all these thoughts going through my mind. 
But that is what it really comes down to, doesn't it? I mean, when we think about it, I had to justify the time and the money and the investment to, to go to a game. And I began to think about it and began to kind of say, well, the memories though. I'm building memories with my kid. My kid's not going to be in my life all the time. He's going to move off and do his own thing and have his own family. And, you know, we understand that. I'm like, maybe I should always weighing the options that are there. And you might be like, well, that, it's just the Packers. I understand that. I, I, I understand that. But it doesn't have to be just sports. As a matter of fact, this week, if you were watching football on Monday night, you saw sports take a back seat. When Lamar Hamlin collapsed on the field. I watched ESPN. I, watched, I, I don't really ever watch that too, too much. But this time I did. And to hear the stunned silence of nobody knowing exactly what to say or what to do. And when you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, you know what the on-air personality did? He said, I'm going to take this moment right now and I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to pray. When was the last time you saw ESPN pray on the air? I'm going with never. And then, I really liked a meme I saw the other day that said, and just like that, we allow praying back on the field again. And it was true. Because football and sports had taken a back seat to the reality that God is in control. And when that happened, it changed so many different aspects of the game. Even the, the players this week have said, I had a hard time focusing on football when my friend was in the hospital until he finally was able to FaceTime on Friday the team and say, hey, I love you guys. Actually, I loved the quote when he woke up. He said, hey, who won? And you know who the doctor said to him? You won. You won the game of life. Because that is the truth of the matter. There's so much more to it than that. And I, I use sports, obviously, because that, that's where I fall. But, but who knows what it is for you? It could be anything else. It could be your job. Where you put your time and your, and your money and your investment. It could, it could be your money itself. It could be your me time. It, it, it could be our kids and our families and our hobbies. Uh, the list really goes on of the things that we want to put before God that we will worship before God. The things that we give our time and our money and our investment to, where are we investing it? And the better question is, is with what return? With what return would I be willing to do the same investment and time and money for God? Because what is my first excuse and what is your first excuse when God calls you to do something? I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the energy to invest. That is what we say. But yet, when the Packers won, my first thought was, is how can I find the time, how can I find the money, and how can I find the energy to invest? Why do we justify like that? Would I be willing to do the same thing for God? Because again, what worship's definition was, to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Or, an authentic response to whatever you hold important in your life. What is our authentic response? response. See, with those definitions, I told you, they're good definitions and really they're helpful, but I don't think worship can be really defined with words in some dictionary. Because what worship truly is, it is the whole point of everything. 
And I don't know if you can wrap that up in words other than saying it's the whole point of everything. It's the whole goal of life, especially in the Christian context, bringing it back around to why do we do this? To glorify God. Worship glorifies God. In the Christian context, worship is glorifying God with our everything. That again is a big answer to why. Why? To glorify God. Worship is all about God. But the problem is, sometimes we lessen the overall of worship and we narrow it down to things that are a part of worship. You might say, well, what do I mean? We narrow it down to emotion. We make worship all about emotion. Please understand this. We do not worship primarily for the feels. To feel moved. But instead, we do need to also understand that emotions do come into play when we worship God. Again, though, it's just a part, not the whole. We narrow it down sometimes to us. We make worship about us. Here's one of the great mysteries of worship. It's that it isn't about us, and it's about God. But the twist is, God doesn't need our worship. But we do. We need to worship. It's not about us. It's about Him. But we need it. We need the benefit that comes from it. Again, though, it's not the whole. It's just a part. We also need to remember that God isn't some insecure cosmic being just waiting to be glorified so He can feel better about Himself. We need to to remember that He isn't there just waiting for us so He can intervene in our lives finally. That's not what worship is. We also narrow it down sometimes to what we get. I jokingly said that people pray a whole lot more on Super Bowl Sunday probably than any other day. Because there's a lot riding on their prayers for, for that specific thing. We, we try and worship sometimes just to change God's mind. Some of you may come in here today, watch online today, to, to try and change God's mind. Let me tell you, if it involved going to church to change God's mind, my teams would all be undefeated. I'm here all the time. So God should be able to honor that if that were the case and why we worship. Now, we do come together here, and, and, and the truth is, is that we can't change God's mind. God never changes. But when we worship, you know what changes? Us. We become more like Him. We become more in line with Him. Our worship transforms us by the renewing of our mind. See, when we lessen overall worship, you know what we get? We get what we get. I know that sounds crazy to think about, but when we lower the expectations or lower the quality, we get lower expectations and lower quality when we worship. It's kind of like... Maybe I shouldn't... No, I'm going to use it. It's kind of like McDonald's. Okay, I'm not a fan of McDonald's. I do have their app on my phone. Actually, I have like 40 food apps on my phone. But... I have the McDonald's app on my phone, and the McDonald's app actually does pretty good. It, it has dollar sandwiches, and they have a dollar, well, it's now a dollar fifty iced tea. But in the morning, I can basically spend two fifty and get a tea and a sandwich on my way to work. It's not great, but it serves its purpose. It, it fills my gut, which I've realized over Christmas is needing more room for filling, apparently, because I, we'll get into that another time. But here's... Here's where I, I kind of came down to it at. 
McDonald's isn't great, but it serves its purpose. It, it, it fills my gut. Do I go there for the quality of food? No. Because it's gross. I mean, when it comes right down to it, it's not even a good fast food restaurant. But it serves its purpose. Sometimes I think we just come into church to fill our gut and we're not getting or giving what God wants. And we have to be careful with that because a lower quality or empty worship is, it doesn't make sense. I actually love what Psalm 57 7 says. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing, I will sing praises. Do you know why the psalmist said my heart is confident? You know what he is confident in? He's confident in God, in who God is, in what God has done, and his authentic response. The thing that he holds most important is to sing the praises to God. What thing do we hold most important? What thing do we sing its praises? And we want to sing as in sing, but what thing do you talk about the most? You want to talk about Lobo basketball? Man, I could talk to you all day about that. You want to talk about Packer football? I could talk to you all day about that. You want to talk about the things that I hold important? I can talk to you all day about that. But does God fall into that list? Does He fall into it for you? In that same vein, look at Psalm 47, 1 and 2. It says, clap your hands. Which I just love that Charlie started clapping during the, the psalm up front. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. Why do we do that? Well, verse 2 says, For the Lord Most High is awe-inspiring, a great King over all the earth. Why do we worship? Why do we clap our hands? Why do we sing for joy? Because God is who He is. That is why we worship because of God and it's because of who He is and even because of what He has done. Our worship is a response to that to His nature, and to His activity. Because God is God, we worship. He didn't have to do anything to earn it. He didn't have to do anything to deserve it. He is God. Period. But, we also worship Him because our worship is centered on the Gospel. On what He has done. The Gospel. The good news of what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross. Because God sent His one and only Son to live a perfect life and to die a substitutionary death so that you and I could have a relationship with Him. Whether we are walking or praying or teaching or going to work or going to school or any of those kind of things, praise be to God because He has saved us from our sins. And that is how our lives should respond. Not just for an hour on Sunday morning, but every minute of every day. Because true worship is all about God all the time. True worship is about giving our attention to Him. But sometimes, our worship isn't true. Because the attention isn't going to Him. It's going to other things, including ourselves. We go, what am I going to get instead of what am I going to give? We, we, we say, this is what I got instead of this is what I brought. As we begin to really dive into that, think about this. When you walk through those doors today, or when you turned on the TV to watch this online today, 
What offering are you bringing to God? Do you ask that? Are you offering of what I'm bringing or what am I going to get? Where is your focus and where is your attention? I love that Francis Chan quote. I've used it before, but it's when a lady came up to him after service and said, well, I just really didn't get much out of worship today. And his response was, that's good because we weren't worshiping you. And we have to remember that. God wants to be above everything else. We place value on where things fall on our worship list. God wants to be at the top of that list. The question is, is He? Is He? I mean, right up front, He told His people, I want to be first. Exodus chapter 20, what we know now as the Ten Commandments, says this, Do not have any other gods besides Me. Some translations say, side by side with Me, in addition to Me. Don't have any other gods up here on my level. If you look at the Hebrew, if you look at the Greek, if you look at the Aramaic, you know what it means? The exact same thing. It's not a difficult concept for us to grasp. It's not a difficult one to understand. It's a difficult one to put into practice. Then he goes on in verse 4, it says, Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, or on earth below, or in the waters underneath the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. If you go, when Jesus is talking to the, the, um, the lawyer in, in Matthew and he says, hey, what's the greatest commandment? You know what he says? Love the Lord your God with all. All. All your everything. We have to understand that that jealousy that God mentions here in verse 5 of Exodus chapter 20, it's not some sinful envy that's born out of pride like we would have. Instead, it's a holy and righteous jealousy that cannot allow the glory that is due to Him to go to anything else, to be given to another. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it really breaks down and answers the why and the what, the motivation that is behind our Actions. My guess is you've probably heard these verses before if you grew up in Awana, these ones you had to memorize. But hopefully this gives you just a little fresh take on it. When it says these words, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, that is the why. That is why we do what we do, because of the mercies of God. The how, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. How do we know that this is worship? Well, it's because it says it right here. This is your true worship. This is what it looks like. You offer yourselves up. Do not be conformed to the age, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Through worship, we celebrate God's presence and His power and His mercy. We grow closer to Him as He speaks to our hearts through His Word, and He makes His home in our lives. The closer we come, the more we realize His worthiness for our worship. His will becomes our will, and we are transformed. That is why we worship, because of who God is, and because of what God has done. In view of the mercies of God, we worship Him with an authentic response to what we hold important. Do you hold that important? 
that in the mercies of God that He sent His Son, the Gospel and the life change that happens as a result of the Gospel. Do we? And I guess if we do, how do we do it? And that goes a little bit deeper on that presenting your bodies as living sacrifice stuff. This how. Normally when you hear the question, how do you worship? All sorts of answers will probably flood your mind like, well, it depends upon the types of songs that you sing. Or um, how you sing them. Or, or where you sing them. What type of church you go to. Or, or when you go to church. Or even what you wear. Can I tell you something? I don't think those things matter as much to God as we think they do. I think it comes down to the heart. Yes, our worship matters to God. And yes, our worship matters to us. But sometimes we can let those personal things distract us or get in the way. Because the truth is, sometimes we go to church, but we don't worship. And sometimes we sing songs, but we don't worship. And sometimes we listen to a sermon, and we don't worship. And even sometimes we serve in a ministry area, but we're not truly worshiping. And you might ask, why? Well, the answer is because worship is more than the sum of its parts. Those are the things that make up worship. Prayer, song, meetings, messages, connections, communion, those are all elements of worship, but not worship in and of themselves. That means you can do each one of these things individually and still fail to truly worship God. Still miss it all because you're just going through the motions. Can I say, if you don't get anything else out of today, here's what I want you to get. Worship is life. Worship is a lifestyle. It's a heart thing. It is an everyday thing. It's something that is inside of us. Coming to church and singing a few songs on a Sunday morning is not the sole act of worship for you for the week. This, what we do here together, is the culmination of a week of worship. The worship that you have done all week long where you are at and we gather together with fellow believers to practice our beliefs and celebrate who God is and what he has done this is a culmination of that that is why we come together that is why we sing songs that is why we praise we tend though to box up worship into this this frame or this this style but when we realize that worship is so much more we can begin to understand how to do it right how to do it better and how to actually grow in it. To take those next steps. We can grasp the why. And we can ask it why it really matters. That is where we are at. So what I want to do is I want to see if we see this why. In view of the mercies of God. How we should respond. First one goes back to Romans chapter 12. I've already read it. But this is what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God, the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. The first thing we have to understand is worship involves surrender of our entire lives. That's what worship involves. It's presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. But you know what the problem is with a living sacrifice? It likes to crawl off the idol, or off the altar, and go towards idols. We, we want to kind of do it, and then we're like, ah, maybe not. Because being a living sacrifice means I am dying to myself, and I'm giving myself to God. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, 
take up your cross and follow me. But that means take up an instrument of torture and death and follow me. Die to yourself. Ooh, that is tough because I like myself. And I like my ways and I like my will and I like my desires. But he says, you know what? That is what we have to die to. God, here is my body. All of it. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks when we talk about giving, I told you it's going to be more than about just money. It's about giving myself. And we do it because of who He is and the mercy that He has shown us. We lay ourselves down on the altar. We die to ourselves. And we allow our attention to go towards God above everything else. We give Him the true honor and the true value that He's due. And it changes our view of everything. It, it changes the way we see things. Because it's no longer about us. That's not how we approach this. And speaking of giving Him our attention, that's the second part of how. Worship is putting our focus on Him. Putting our focus on Him. You realize you can only focus on one thing, right? That's what focus is. So either you're focusing on God or you're not. And worship is putting our focus on Him. True worship is based on a desire to honor God. It requires a personal connection with God. And you have a personal connection with God because you know Him. And you know Him because you are in His Word. And when you are in His Word, you are in His will. Have you ever asked the question, man, I just don't know what the will of God really is. You know why? Because you're not listening. You're not reading. You're not in with Him. We, we get so confused because the best way of understanding God's will is laying my desires and myself aside so they don't blind me to the truth of what God's actually trying to tell me. Because sometimes my desires and my will, they create a little filter. And I see God the way I want to see Him rather than the way I should see Him. You ever ask the question this? What does God want? What does God want? What would please Him? You know what the answer is? You. All of you. All of you, not like in corporate, although I'm sure that counts too, but all, like all of you. All of us make a difference as we put our focus on Him. He wants our focus to be on Him and not our desires or our wants or our feelings. And we see that. Third thing is this. Worship involves getting out of the way. Kind of goes the same thing. We have to learn to remove our worries, our opinions, our questions, and even ourselves so we can truly worship God with appropriate honor. So we have to let go of our grudges when God doesn't do what we want Him to do. When do people walk away from God? When do people deconstruct their faith? When God isn't doing what they want. That's generally the baseline for it all. Sometimes we are the biggest barriers to truly experiencing God in genuine worship. And I use the word sometimes loosely because I think it's all the time. I think it's all the time. We're the ones that get in the way. We let our grudges get in the way. And that really leads us to our fourth one. We worship God in the good times and the bad times. We worship God in the good times and the bad times. Honestly, it is way easier to praise God when we're going through the good things or have a big victory in our lives than it is when things are going tough. It's tough to lift up those praises when, when life isn't happening the way it's supposed to. But if you look at the book of Hebrews, which, like I told you earlier, two of our connection groups are going through, so if you want to get involved in that, please do. Hebrews verse 13, verse 15, says, Therefore... Through Him, let us continually. 
You know what that word continually means? It means all the time. Not just, oh, good times. Oh, I get to stop in the bad times because I don't feel like doing it. It's, it's continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess His name. You want to see an example of it in the Bible? Look at King David. What it means to worship in the face of loss and pain. As he prayed and prayed and prayed for the baby that was born not to die. But you know what? It still died. And as it still died, I can't imagine the pain that would come from that loss. But look at how he responds in 2 Samuel twelve twenty. It says, Then David got up from the ground. He washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went to the Lord's house, and worshipped. It's easy to move towards God when things are great. We can say, look what God did for me. But we have to know it should be so important and so primary in our lives that in times of pain and loss, we also move God towards God rather than away from Him. See, when we don't have God or Jesus at the center of our worship, something else will fill that vacuum. Something else will fill that, that hole and it'll be hollow It'll be short-lived, and most of the time, it is wrapped in negative consequences. Let's just be honest. But yet, we will go to them anyway. As we walk through pain and hurt and suffering and even questioning, we need to remember all the places of Scripture that draw us closer to God. Right now, uh, we started our uh, year-long reading, and it started in Genesis and jumped through the book of Job, as, as Noah and Job are, are very similar. And jump to the, the book of Job, and we've been going through Job uh, in our reading plan. I'm not sure if you ever read it. Christy and I were, were joking about it, going, man, he is so whiny. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, wait a second, he just lost everything. I'd be whiny too. And then he had miserable friends. Peyton and I were listening to it last night as we were coming home from the, the basketball game, and, and he's like, could you guys be any worse at this comforting thing, but he, he didn't exactly say that, but I'm that, that I'm paraphrasing, and, and I think about that. I'm like, yeah. But if you read Job, don't stop in chapter 16. Read all of it and see what God does. Or remember when David writes in Psalm 66, 10 through 12, "For you, God, test us." You refined us as silver is refined. You lured us into a trap. You placed burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. And we went through fire and water. But you brought us out to abundance. God to Isaiah in Isaiah 48.10. Look, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. It's happening. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result, this stuff you're going through, may result in praise, glory, and honor, honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. James chapter 1, verses 2-4, through 4, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and endurance has its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. We work through our struggles with a focus on God and praise towards God. Why? Why? That's been the question of our whole series. Why? Well, it's our fifth thing because worship is celebrating who God is and what 
God has done. Pastor Bruce read it up front. Psalm 100. A psalm of thanksgiving. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve. Some passages say, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Your worship has joy in it. Why? Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He's God. That is the greatest truth that we will read today. And probably ever. That God is God. Because you know what that means? If God is God, you are not. You are not. And if you are not God, we can come to worship knowing this. That it's not in our control. It is all about Him. He is sovereign. He made us. We are His His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good and His faithful love endures forever. He is God and He is good. And His faithful love endures forever. How long is forever? It's forever. That's a beautiful statement right there. I'll tell you what. Every morning, I praise God. Even when my body hurts, even when I realize that I'm getting older and a little bit slower and having a little bit of a hard time focusing on things, I still praise God. You know why? Because I got another day to do it. Because some people didn't. Some people didn't wake up to praise God one more time on this earth. Maybe they got to praise God on the other side, which is an amazing thing in itself. But while God has me here, I will praise Him for it and I will fall into His will and His desires. And it says His faithfulness will go endure through all generations. See, we get to worship God today. We get to worship God every day. The true essence of worship is to connect with and know God truly and then respond to that with a heart that values God, that treasures God, that enjoys God, that is satisfied with God above all earthly things. That is the attitude that will flow from your heart into a daily life. And that is how we are transformed by God into who He wants us to be. And He wants us to be that for Him, for ourselves, and even for others as we talk about evangelism and discipleship next week. As we close today, the band's going to come up. And we're going to sing a song called Take My Life. It's an old hymn, but it's also been redone by Chris Tomlin with some added stuff to it, a new rendition to it all. And that's what we're going to sing. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, all to Thee. But before we get to that, and as I invite the band to go ahead and come on up here, I I want to read to you some words from a song that was written in the the mid-90s by a guy by the name of Matt Redman. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, mid-90s? This song is 25 years old. As crazy as I know. For those of you who are like, I graduated high school in the 90s. Yep. Welcome to being that old when you wake up thing in the morning. Here's what I saw as I read it. There's a backstory to the song. It's called The Heart of Worship. And basically they wrote it because the church he was at in England had gotten too focused on the lights and, and all of the things. They said, let's just take everything away and just make it about our voices. So we're not distracted by all of the other things. And this is the song he wrote that became one that was sung all throughout just about every church camp I went to and things like that. But the heart of worship says, when the music fades and all is stripped away, I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'm going to bring you more than a song because the song in itself is not what you have required. 
God, you search much deeper within. You search and look way past the things the way they appear. You're looking into my heart. So I'm coming back to the heart of worship because, you know the rest of the song? It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry for the things that I've made it because it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. Today, as we wrap up this morning, we go our separate ways. Can I challenge you to make it all about Jesus? Make your life all about Jesus. Let's pray and then we will sing this closing song. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to be able to worship, to be able to come into your presence, to be able to bow at your feet and sing your praises and hear from your word as you continue to challenge us and change us. And God, I am sorry for the thing that I've made it. Too often it's about me. And God, I just want to say, I'm sorry. And I'm thankful for forgiveness. As you know, it's all about you.